and welcome. Episode number 71 of the Ball Don't Lie podcast. My name is Audie Elmore. Happy to be with you, albeit under sad circumstances, as the Ohio State Buckeyes fall and fall bigly in the national championship game to the Alabama Crimson Tide by a score of 52 to 24. That will be our lead topic. We'll also talk about the NFL playoffs, which happened over the weekend. And for the most part, we're pretty good. Pretty good first round of games, including one, what I thought was an absolute shocker. A sleeper team that could make some noise in round two. And uh, what to expect, really, for the rest of the playoffs. And something I really want to get into uh, that I don't think people quite understand about the game of football from a game-to-game basis. And it was brought up during the Brown Steelers broadcast on Sunday night between uh, Al Co- or Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth. So I'm going to bring that up as well. We'll talk about that in the second segment. The first segment, obviously, is going to be about the college football playoff, is going to be about Notre Dame or Ohio State and Alabama. I don't know why I said Notre Dame. Ohio State and Alabama and the way that, that things went with them, I – you know, I, I normally get feelings about games. I got a feeling about the Colts and the Bills this week, and I said, you know, I think the Colts are going to make this a football game. Sure enough, they did. But I knew I was in trouble with Ohio State because I didn't get a feeling about that game at all. The reports came out early in the week about Tommy Togiai and Tyreek Smith missing their uh, – Missing the game, perhaps, with positive COVID-19 tests and how that would affect. Listen, Tommy Togiai, the defensive tackle for Ohio State, might be the Buckeyes' best player not named Justin Fields this year. There were times when he was completely unstoppable, where he single-handedly dominated the line of scrimmage and caused major issues. He was a disruptor, a game-changer for the opposing teams of Ohio State. So I knew without him that would be a challenge. Then you have Devontae Smith, the Heisman Trophy winner, the Bolitnikoff winner, the Maxwell Award winner, and every other award you can imagine winner. Devontae Smith on the other side of the ball. Najee Harris had been solid, had a great year. Mac Jones, the quarterback, was a Heisman finalist. It's typical Alabama. A very good football team stacked at all the right places, and they were going to give you a game. I, I had my doubts about Ohio or about Alabama's defense. Um They were ranked 10th finally at the end of the year, but there were teams that had put up some points against them this year. So you thought, okay, Ryan Day, Ohio State, they're going to be able to put up some points and maybe try to make this a shootout with Alabama. I thought that's what most people kind of expected, but it just never really went that way for the Buckeyes. And Alabama, I mean – you felt, I think Ohio State fans, the way the game started, to be 14-14 when it was, I think they were pretty happy with that because I, I don't know how, how you feel watching games, but and we'll get into momentum later and how that affects games, but there are times when the game is right there for the taking and a team won't capitalize and the other team will kind of just – slowly take advantage it's when it's it's when it's right there for the taking but neither team takes it and it felt like for the most part of the first half Alabama had it 
but Ohio State, you know, kind of kept reaching for it, kind of getting a finger on it. You know, we're just they were hanging around, and all year long, and really since Ryan Day took over, the Buckeyes have been a second half football team. They play much better. They it's a sign of a well coached team. They make adjustments and they come out better in the second half. That really wasn't the case this week, and for the first time since Urban Meyer has was head coach at Ohio State. I mean. Since before Urban Meyer, since Luke Fickle was at, was at Ohio State, this is the first time I can remember watching a game and thinking, wow, the Buckeyes seem completely unprepared. And I, I just th- th- that just has not happened very much over the course of the last eight, nine years. But there were times during the national championship game where you wondered if Ohio State had even seen Alabama's offense. Now, again, you've got a three-headed monster. You've got the Heisman Trophy winner. You've got a great team for Alabama defensively or offensively. But defensively, Ohio State just didn't seem to to make any adjustments. They didn't seem to put themselves in the right positions. They kept going man. They kept blitzing. They kept giving Alabama opportunities to get Devontae Smith one-on-one, to get him in open space. And you can't do that. That's the best player in college football. That's the all-time leader in receiving yards in the SEC. That's the all-time leader in touchdowns in the SEC. He might be the greatest college receiver of all time when it's all said and done. And for Ohio State to almost disregard that, I thought was irresponsible and, quite frankly, head-scratching. So... Kerry Combs just did not have a good night. Tough Borland did not have a good night. The secondary did not have a good night. Sean Wade, for the eighth consecutive game, did not have a good game. Ohio State is not deep in the secondary, and Alabama kind of exposed that. They aren't laterally quick. Alabama exposed that. So let's let's take away from harping on Ohio State for a moment. Alabama was was darn near perfect. They ran the ball efficiently. They had great play action. They used orbit, laser, jet motion, every motion you can imagine to get one-on-one matchups to that were advantageous for Devontae Smith, for Mac Jones. Steve Sarkeesian, who is now the head coach at Texas, called a beautiful game from start to finish for Alabama. Really, he truly did. So am I sitting here, am I upset? Yes, absolutely. Lost the national championship game. You never want to do that. Alabama, though, I mean, I'm not one of those people that's going to sit here and hate on Alabama. I've never understood why people do that. It's like people hate on the New England Patriots. I mean, at least you have something to grab onto with their cheating scandals. But Alabama is just good all the time. Like, I can't even hate that. And to steal a phrase from my colleague Tony Pike, who's been on this podcast before, last night, Alabama's best dudes were better than Ohio State's best dudes. That's all there was to it. Now, if Ohio State is 100% healthy, they don't lose Trey Sermon on the first play of the game, they have Tommy Togiai, maybe the outcome's different. But I don't know because they just truly didn't do enough to hang with Alabama. I I was just really disappointed in the way they did not make adjustments. 
Devontae Smith is insane, too, by the way. I mean, there's there's not many people on earth in college football that could stop him yesterday. But, I mean, a double team, maybe let's jam him at the line. He's, he's just a little guy. Maybe let's, I don't know, a man switch at some point. Maybe try to give some zone looks that you haven't shown before. You've got to find ways to be creative defensively when you've got an elite playmaker like Devontae Smith. Everybody knew where the ball was going. Everybody knew who was going to get the football. And you still couldn't stop him. That's a sign of, A, poor defensive strategy, poor defensive game plan, and B, a really freaking good player. I mean, the better team won on Monday night. The better team won the national championship. I don't have any problem saying that. Ohio State, it felt like they had problems getting motivated. Like, almost to the point where they were happy to be there. Like, oh, we slayed the Dragon and Clemson, and now we're in the national championship game, and we're just going to play good again, and that'll be that. No, 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 no. That's not how this works. Alabama's them some boys over there, them some dogs, and you got to fight. And that was Ohio State's mantra all year, fight. Fight. They didn't put much of, much of a fight up against Alabama on Monday night. It was frustrating to watch, but, I mean, at the same time, like I said, that's just a really, really good football team over on the other side of the ball. So here's the other thing about this. I am a fan of the Cincinnati Bengals, the Cincinnati Reds, the Ohio State Buckeyes, the Chicago Bulls. My teams rarely, rarely have any sort of success. The championships in my lifetime have come from Ohio State. National championship appearances, I think, is like four or five since I've been alive. Won two national titles. That's all I've got to hang my hat on as a fan. So I'm not going to sit here and piss and moan and be all upset about them losing a national championship game. Yes, national championships are the standard. That's a championship culture at Ohio State. That's what should be expected every year is to be in the national championship game. I have no problem with that. But I'm not going to sit here and take it for granted. As my good buddy Damian Duff, Double D, been on this podcast a couple of times. He put it. He said, "Listen, I, you know, you you never take it for granted because you don't know when you'll be back." I mean, look at Michigan for example. Hate to bring them up because I hate them, but they were sweet. They were feeling good. 1997, co-national champs. Haven't sniffed it since. Haven't sniffed it since. A lot of teams like that. In the direction of college football, Ohio State's in a good spot. Whether or not you like it and and what it means with the college football playoff and this and that and the other, that's besides the point at the moment because this is how it is. Ohio State's in a good spot. And if if you're an Ohio State fan, you should be happy and appreciative of the fact that they got there, all things considered, this season. And understand that, you know, these things don't just happen every single year. And don't take it for granted because you don't know the next time you'll be back. And uh, enjoy a elite era of college football emanating from Columbus, Ohio. Looking ahead, I don't know that the Buckeyes are going to be all that good next year. 
You're going to have a new quarterback, obviously, with Justin Fields moving on to the NFL. You're going to have a lot of young receivers. You're going to have, hopefully, an improved secondary, but still a pretty young secondary. You've got a solid recruiting class this year. I think that they will be, they'll be in the conversation, certainly, for the Big Ten. But I don't know that this is a national championship caliber team next year. But 2022, that's that's the goal year. The the Buckeyes will be right back in it in 2022. Uh, so I I just am really appreciative, all things considered. A that we played a college football season. B that my team made the college football playoff national championship. And uh, I think everybody who is a Buckeye fan should be happy with that because I know a lot of people that don't get ex- get to experience that. And some of those people are the loudest people on social media. People that are USC fans. People that are. Michigan fans, Texas, Texas A&M, Florida, Georgia. People that are fans of those teams, they like to tell you. Cincinnati, they like to tell you how you don't deserve to be there, and they're nowhere close. Sucks to be them. Thank God we're all Buckeyes. Coming up, segment two of this program, the NFL playoffs, AFC, NFC wildcard rounds kicked off. This weekend, we're going to take you through what happened over there, what I expect for round two. My Super Bowl pick has been eliminated. Not good, Ernie. We'll talk about all those things and more. You're listening to the Ball Don't Lie podcast. Welcome back to the Ball Don't Lie podcast. Like I said, NFL playoffs underway this weekend. I had a feeling about the Colts. I got this feeling late Friday night that, you know what? Maybe the Colts are going to knock off the Buffalo Bills. Maybe the Bills were going to be hung over from the fact that they made the playoffs, that they did as good as they did, and the Colts, who have a more experienced quarterback, a better defense, and a better run game, might go on the road and beat the Buffalo Bills. I expect it to be a close game. It was a close game. Buffalo comes away victorious 27-24, to their first playoff win since 1995. For perspective, your boy here was born in 1995. So the Bills advanced to the divisional round. Rams and Seahawks, the Seahawks, as many of you know who listen closely to this podcast, were picked by me to win the Super Bowl. They lost to the Los Angeles Rams in the wildcard round. That's their third home playoff loss in team history and their second to the Los Angeles Rams. Rams win that one 30-20. Buccaneers and the Washington football team. This was a highly entertaining game. Alex Smith couldn't go because of a calf injury. Taylor Heineke makes his first ever, first ever NFL start. And oh, by the way, you're doing that. In the NFC wildcard round against a guy named Tom Brady. Brady and the Buccaneers win it 31-23. to Brady now 31 career playoff wins. That's the most by a quarterback since 1950. I'm guessing maybe Otto Graham. I don't know who, who the other one is, but Otto Graham maybe. Ravens and the Titans on Sunday. Baltimore wins this one 20-13. Baltimore 6-0 in road wildcard games. That's a crazy stat. Those dudes are heating up right at the right time. They have a chip on their shoulder. Obviously, they lost to Tennessee last year in the playoffs. They got a chip on their shoulder. Everybody's talking mess about Lamar and 
talking mess about are the Ravens fraudulent and this, that, and the other. But they're starting to heat up at the right time. They could be dangerous. They could be. They they remind me a lot of the New York Giants in 2007 when they just kind of snuck in, but they were playing their best ball, and they just knocked some teams off and knocked some teams off and knocked the Packers off at Lambeau. Wouldn't surprise me at all if the Baltimore Ravens end up in the Super Bowl. I don't think that they will, but the way they're trending right now, it's certainly possible. Uh, Saints and the Bears in the Nickelodeon game. This was a fun one. I didn't get to watch the Nickelodeon game because I was uh, I was at work, so I just watched the normal feed. But the Nickelodeon thing apparently seemed to be a huge hit. And what wasn't a huge hit was the Bears' offense, as they only scored nine points and they fall to the Saints, twenty-one to nine. That's the fewest points allowed by the Saints in a playoff game in team history. So the Saints advance to the divisional round. Then you get to the Sunday nightcap. The Sunday nightcap with the Cleveland Browns at the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Cleveland Browns, who have not won in Pittsburgh since 2002. The Cleveland Browns, who were without Denzel Ward, without their head coach Kevin Stefanski, without multiple members of their offensive line, all due to COVID or other injuries here and there. The Cleveland Browns, who were by all accounts, left for dead by a lot of people, come out and punch the Pittsburgh Steelers in the mouth. The Steelers' opening play of the game snapped over Big Ben's head, recovered in the end zone for a touchdown. Ben throws a pick the following series. Next thing, like series 28 to nothing before you even know what's going on. It was unbelievable. Everything that had gone, like it was like everything went right for the Browns for the first time in 20 years. The ball bounced their way. The the tip pass gets intercepted. The, the snap goes over the head. Like Everything that goes wrong for the Browns typically went right on Sunday night. Now, I thought to myself as I prepared for bed on Sunday night with the Browns kind of comfortably ahead, you know, these are still the Cleveland Browns. It's, it's probably not over. And I, you know, I, I hate to admit this because I love football more than anything in this world. But I have to get up at 4 o'clock in the morning for work. And there are times when I physically cannot keep my eyes open once 10.30 hits. And that's kind of what was going on Sunday night. And uh, so I was trying my best to stay awake and see what happened. I, I woke up with just a couple minutes left. I realized that Pittsburgh had made it a game. They ended up falling 48-37 to to Cleveland, only an 11-point loss. That's Cleveland's first playoff win since 1994. So you've got the Buffalo Bills for their first playoff win since 95, the Browns' first playoff win since 1994. Again, I was born in 95. The, If you're wondering, the active record for longest playoff drought, longest playoff win drought, yeah, that belongs to the Cincinnati Bengals, who last won a playoff game in 1991 when they defeated the Houston Oilers in the wildcard round 41 to 14. The following week in the divisional round, the Bengals went out to Los Angeles to take on the Raiders and a guy named Bo Jackson who wore number 34. They broke his hip. Bo never played football again. The Bengals lost the game and they have not sniffed all that much success since then. And uh, as you know, and as I've made uh, obvious and explained on this podcast before, the, the curse of 34, the 34 theory, uh, Many say that was a big part 
in that curse and and uh, that game especially. So enough about the Bengals. By the way, they hired Frank Pollock back as their offensive line coach. People almost threw him a parade in this city. Unbelievable they were so excited for him. Joe Mixon, Joe Burrow said that Joe Mixon called him hooting and hollering, jumping up and down excited that Frank Pollock was back as the Bengals' offensive line coach. Pollock was the, the Cowboys' offensive line coach, came to the Bengals for one year. They fired Marvin Lewis. Frank Pollock got let go. Zach Taylor brought in his guy, who was an absolute disaster. And then Frank Pollock loses his job with the Jets because Adam Gase gets fired. He's a free agent. Bengals wanted him back. He was very highly thought of by the front office. They brought him back. He will be the Bengals' offensive line coach. Billy Price also really excited about that. Uh, as he tweeted as well. I'm going to take a drink of my coffee now. Thank you. Oh, that's good. Starbucks, feel free to sponsor me. All right. Um, let's take a look at the next round of the playoffs. This is going to be a short podcast episode. I'm just going to be honest with you. You probably know that. You're listening to it. You're like, oh, it's only 27 minutes. Cool. All right. So next round, you've got Cleveland at Kansas City and Baltimore at Buffalo in the AFC. You've got Tampa at New Orleans. You've got the Rams at the Packers. So I, I talked about earlier about Ohio State and how they struggled to get motivated for the game. Cleveland was super motivated to play the Pittsburgh Steelers. Juju Smith-Schuster, who you thought would learn his lesson from his continued failure as he continues to put bulletin board material up for people, called them nameless gray faces. He said the Browns is the Browns. Not great at his, at his grammar, but he said the Browns is the Browns and they're nameless gray faces, same old Browns, yada, yada, yada. That kind of pissed the Browns off. So they kind of beat the snot out of the Pittsburgh Steelers. They were motivated. When you get an entire team angry like Cleveland was this week, like Ohio State was last week against Clemson, then that's when you get a dangerous football team a dangerous football team. And Cleveland's already dangerous in the sense of their identity. They run the football and they play just enough defense. Now, they're going to be in for it this week because they have to go to Kansas City to take on the defending champs and Patrick Mahomes. But they've already been given bulletin board material again. But by another stupid Steeler wide receiver. This time Chase Claypool, who was on his Twitch stream the other day, talking about how it was a rough loss for the Steelers, but the Browns are going to get clapped next week, so it's all good. Number one, it's not all good. If it's all good because the team that beat you is getting beat next week, that's not a championship culture, not a championship mindset. Am I surprised he comes from Notre Dame? No, I'm not. But you would think the Pittsburgh Steelers would have a a better – championship culture than that that being said it's been 12 years since they were in the Super Bowl it's been 10 years since they were in the Super Bowl so maybe not Mike Tomlin are we are we sure about Mike Tomlin moving forward Steelers it's interesting but Chase Claypool gives the Browns some bulletin board material and they are going to need the help of God uh, on Sunday against the Kansas City Chiefs or Saturday whenever it is they play so I think it's interesting. It's going to be probably a better game than people think. Kansas City, a week off. Could be some rust there. Um, but my money is on the defending champions. Baltimore at Buffalo. Like I said, Baltimore could be that team that that kind of just keeps going and knocks off Buffalo. Could be a hangover from that big win, first win since 94. But 
Buffalo will be at home, and they're going to have to stop the run. They're going to have to stop the run. Lamar Jackson is is as dynamic as he's ever been. It feels like people have kind of already forgotten about Lamar, but the guy is still a game-changing player. I mean, he had a 40-yard touchdown run against the Titans. Just out of nowhere, boom, gone. And he's, he's so fun to watch, so fun to watch. If if they get the ball, if they get it going on the ground like that, Buffalo's going to be in trouble. And I like Buffalo. I kind of want them to play Kansas City in the AFC title game. Uh, on the NFC side of the ball, Tampa Bay at New Orleans. This is one of those games where you're going to want to watch and just appreciate because you're going to have Brady and Breeze. It's probably, I, I, I think, I get the feeling that Tampa's going to win this. It's probably going to be Drew Brees' last game. That's kind of the feeling that is around the league. I wouldn't be surprised if he came back for one more year. But I think just everything he went through this year, it, it, you kind of wonder if this is the last the last one for Drew Brees. And the, the decision may not be made by him. Sean Payton has kind of hinted throughout the year that we kind of want to move on from Drew and get the next phase of our franchise going. I don't know if that's going to happen, but Drew has looked bad at times this year. He's looked old. His shoulders obviously had some issues. I wouldn't be surprised if he came back for one more year. I wouldn't be surprised if they won this game, but it does feel like Tampa is kind of playing good ball at the moment. They're putting up a lot of points, and it feels like Tampa is going to win this one. Third time these two teams have played this year, obviously being in the same division. Rams at the Packers. Rams play good defense, man. They are a well-coached defensive football team. But at Lambeau in January, Aaron Rodgers is the best player on the planet at the moment. Jared Goff with a bad thumb. The Rams running game is kind of questionable, especially against the Packers, who have been pretty good against the run this year. I, I like the Packers to win this one. I don't know that it would be a blowout, but it just feels like Green Bay could keep the Rams at an arm's length in this one. Uh, so now that my Super Bowl pick is out with the Seattle Seahawks, I would like to pick the Green Bay Packers to win the Super Bowl. I still think Kansas City will get there out of the AFC. So I, there's one thing, one more thing I want to touch on, <clears throat> and it, you could see it in the game on Sunday night, the Browns and the Steelers. You could see it on Monday Night Football or on the, uh, excuse me, the National Championship game on Monday night, and that is momentum. I don't think people understand, like, if you've never been to a high-level football game, like Division One college ball or the NFL, if you've never been, like, physically in the stadium, and this even happens in, college, in, in high school football to an extent, if you've never been, like, in the stadium at the game, it's hard to describe how based on momentum football is. It is such a momentum sport. And Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth were talking about this during the Browns and the Steelers on Sunday night. And Chris was kind of talking about how at one point in the game, the momentum switched to Pittsburgh. And after Cleveland had had all the momentum to start the game. But at one point, the Steelers grabbed it. And it had certainly swung in Pittsburgh's favor. And Chris said to Al... I don't know how to describe momentum. And he kind of paused for a minute, and Al Michael said, but you can feel it. 
and and Chris said you can feel it, and that is like so accurate. I don't know that there's ever been momentum that is so impactful in other sports. Baseball to an extent, maybe playoff baseball, basketball. I don't get the feel for a lot of momentum, but football. There is momentum that will just change the game so much. Like there was three or four opportunities in the college football playoff national championship game on Monday night where Ohio State had the chance to grab the momentum. They grabbed it for a second there with a strip sack of Mac Jones that led to a touchdown. And there was a couple times where they would get to a third down and they had the chance to grab the momentum to get Alabama off the field. And then Najee Harris would fall forward for four yards, or somebody would just just get out of the grasp of somebody and get the first down, or whatever it was. But I don't think that people understand just how important that is. And that's what a lot of people mean when they talk about game managers as quarterbacks, when they talk about play callers that are play callers that are in a flow. Like, Sean McVay was completely in his bag on Sunday against the Seattle Seahawks. The way they were able to run the football and do what they did, even with a a bum-thumb Jared Goff. Like, those are – that's when coaches are great. Like, when they can seize the momentum. That's what made Urban Meyer and his people a great play caller. That's what has made Ryan Day a great play caller. That's what made Doug Peterson a great play caller in 2017. I can't believe he got fired, by the way. Like the those great, great coaches and those quarterbacks that can seize the momentum and keep it on their side, and then those great defensive players like Von Miller in the in the Broncos Super Bowl season, he was just awesome with momentum and the way he would just just attack and and take the momentum away from an offense. Miles Garrett has been spectacular at that. Those those great pass rushers, Ray Lewis was a momentum killer and he would start it for his team like. I don't know if I'm just talking in circles or if I'm making any sense to anyone whatsoever because it is hard to describe. But when you're in the stadium, you can feel the momentum. And you can kind of get the idea of what way things are going to go relatively early. And it's hard to pick up on that on TV. But if you're watching the games this weekend, try to try to look for it. Try to feel the momentum uh, through the TV broadcast if you can and see if that – you know who grabs the momentum who makes the big play at the big time to swing it to their team and see if they can capitalize on it because it is the single most powerful force i think in football uh like i said there were some coaching changes around the league Doug Peterson fired by the Philadelphia Eagles which i thought was interesting report came out that Doug basically was tired of people telling him what to do I'm assuming that the Justin or the Jalen Hurts thing where he benched Jalen Hurts and put Nate Sudfeld in was kind of a middle finger to Jeffrey Lurie and uh, the Eagles' ownership, which kind of led to his demise. I think Doug Peterson will be a head coach again. I think he'll be a very good head coach, and uh, I wish he was the head coach of my football team. I love Doug Peterson. He's my favorite head coach in the NFL. Um these teams are going to be hiring their guys here shortly. Nothing too crazy. You've seen some coordinator switches. The Las Vegas Raiders fired Paul Gunther during the season, and they um, they hired Gus Bradley, the former Jacksonville Jaguars head coach, uh, today. So that's interesting. And and this one was probably my favorite. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys. 
The Dallas Cowboys, Mike Nolan has left, fired, whatever you want to say. That is great news for the Dallas Cowboys. And, you know, I got one question for you. How about them Cowboys? How about them Cowboys? Thank you, Sheeny. I appreciate you, buddy, and I miss you so much. Remember, folks, ball don't lie. Have fun. Be safe. Go Bucks.